The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It is a playoff mailbag edition. We have a lot to cover today. It's been a very big week of playoff football, a week that the Chiefs did not have to participate in, but now we know who they will be playing. They'll be playing the Houston Texans. We'll get into all that and more here to help me talk about all this. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane, how are you, my friend? Kent, I'm coming off of a full week of prospect watching for the 2020 draft and i could not be living any <laughs> higher of a life right now buddy let me tell you this I'm is been my kind of week <laughs> took a little break watched some hilariously bad football over the weekend had prospects on the computer it was a fantastic time i know our good friend craig stout is also here with us had a great weekend as well he looks like he's a little tired from chefing up five-course meal after five-course meal this weekend, but he's the Renaissance man, so. That's a that's a one-course meal, not a five-course meal, a one-course meal. Don't, <laughs> don't make it out to be some sophisticated organization. I have a three-year-old. She couldn't sit through a five-course meal. <laughs> we're all, uh, we're a little bit exhausted, and it's because we went and experienced the last two days of football just draining exhaustive and uh I, i'm glad the chiefs didn't have to play first off i i i mean I, it cannot be under overstated how important that buy was especially after watching the chaos of this weekend we uh we'll, we'll get into the texans game here in a little bit we're gonna start answering the questions we'll start with the five star reviews IJ Plummer, uh, first off, I, I think he's an active duty Marine, so shout out to you and thank you so much for uh, for all you do for us. He asked the question, how much, of an, is it, how much of an advantage is it that the Chiefs have already played four of the other five AFC playoff teams uh, and McCoy playing for the Bills? I'd imagine Andy Reid having an extra week to prepare with a head start of game plan couldn't hurt. Uh, I mean, it's definitely going to help. I think that they have some familiarity, but you got to understand, like, it goes both ways, too. I mean, a lot of these teams have seen Andy. They've seen the Chiefs. They've seen this team uh, up close and personal as well. So I think there's some familiarity, too. But I think the last thing that you mentioned there was the important part. You know, Andy Reid's had an extra week, you know, to collect his thoughts. I don't know how – I mean, I don't think they did a ton. I mean, they did some game planning and they did some scouting and stuff, but they didn't really know their opponent completely this week. But they – 
it sounded like they worked on fundamentals this week. They were kind of just getting some things cleaned up before they get ready for this week, whether they start game plan and they start really pushing and preparing for a football team, which we now know is the Houston Texans. So Andy Reid after a bye is still extremely valuable. He knows how to do this. Uh, I'm expecting good things against Houston. Mouse 187 asks, the loss of Thornhill is big. It stings. But is it okay that I don't feel worried about the defense moving into the playoffs? Am I wrong to feel that? Arrowhead pride for life. Craig, what do you think? Uh, you're not wrong for feeling that. You're not wrong for feeling anything, honestly. But I, I do think that there are going to be some concerns depending on the team. I feel like the Houston Texans with Will Fuller is one of those teams that can make that count. But that being said, I think... I think that they're going to be able to put guys in good enough spots to make that happen. I know we've got some more Thornhill questions coming up here. Before we move on to the Twitter questions, guys, I got something in the AP Nerd Squad Gmail, and I forget who it's from, and I'm very sorry about that. I don't have it in front of me right now. This is a professional show. I got asked the question. This is a very professional professional show. show. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to Amateur Hour. Um, (laughs) We got... (laughs) We got a question asking us, what would you prefer Juan Thornhill still being healthy and the Dolphins lose or the situation that we're in right now? Which would you prefer after seeing what happened going on this past weekend? I'll, I'll start. Uh, I would rather have the bye. Uh, 100%. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen in that wild card game. Maybe the Chiefs lose somebody in that game. Maybe they lose Juan Thornhill in that game. Having to play an extra game, I think, outweighs who is uh, Juan's an, an impact player. Don't get me wrong, but I think you 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 take two games to get to the Super Bowl instead of three. Ten times out of ten. Yeah, give me uh, Juan Thornhill and a game against the Bills. From what <laughs> I just saw. Um, I think you practically got a bye week to beat the Josh Allen led Bills if you had Juan Thornhill. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I would, I mean, you look at the team and players might like the week off, but I think you could even ask the team out there. They would rather have their brother, their teammate, a guy that's been important to the team out there and have to play an extra game than get a little bit of time off. I think I see that way too. I think if you can't beat the Bills, if you can't win the three games to get to the Super Bowl, then you probably won a Super Bowl contender anyway. Give me your best team you can put out there. Play the extra wow. game against a not very good Bills team that throws 55-yard bombs to fullbacks that are double-covered. It would have no, been the Texans. It, it would have been the Titans. Or the it would have been the Titans, Matty. It would have been the Titans, Matty. They would have played the Titans. Now how do you feel about it? Oh. <sighs> We would have played the Titans, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, here's the thing. Yeah. Losing to a team that has 72 <laughs> passing yards in a playoff game <laughs> is so embarrassing that I could not be fearful of that. I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about the Titans at some point in time. I'll just leave it short here. Derek Kinney's like a 240-pound freak running back, and I think – it takes advantage of the passing league in the NFL. They Nobody knows how to tackle a guy his size anymore, so he runs wild, and he would have ran wild all over the Chiefs. Ryan Tannehill threw for 72 yards. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> this yeah, he, he threw for 72 yards, but how Chiefs would that game have been if they would have lost it? 
Old Chiefs, Craig. We buy old into Chiefs. positivity now. We believe because Patrick LeVon Mahomes is here to fight and kill off any of the demons of the past. There was two there was two eras of football. It was before Mahomes, and now it is after Mahomes. We are in the to, Mahomes era. I like how you guys to let take me it slander. from our our buddy Cody Tap. BM and PM. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I like yes. how you guys let me slander the Bills for a solid minute before saying, "Oh, hey, by the way, you would have played a different <laughs> team," and then let me go on to slander the Titans because of seventy-two passing yards. I was still just shocked that you were willing to play an extra game in a season where this team has just been beat to all to get have out. Your fourth um, best player on defense back. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, it was going to be a perfect transition into some Tom Brady jokes, <laughs> and it still is because the Titans lost to, or the the Patriots lost to a team that threw for seventy two yards. <laughs> Josh Wyant asks, do you know any lion recipes? And that's a direct joke to Tom Brady posting some joke or some video about, it was a joke. It was like a minute long video about some long shtick about lions. <laughs> well, uh, the lion sleeps tonight. A weema wep, a weema wep. Uh, <laughs> Cameron Corwin. I got a great oh, lion okay. joke. Oh no, but I got a good lion Go. joke. This is my lion he joke. Ain't lying. Julian Edelman belongs in the Hall of Fame. Oh, he lying. <laughs> here's another here's another lion joke. The Patriots won this week. <laughs> I'm lying. <laughs> Cameron Corwin. Who has had a better career, Giselle or Tom Brady? <laughs> Matt? This is I, I'm not answering this. I don't know where I don't know where I'm supposed to go with this. I don't know. Go wherever you want to go with it. We're getting Brady jokes off. I, I see. Here's the thing, and I was gonna get to it later. I respect Tom Brady and think he's the greatest quarterback to ever play. So while it's awesome that their dynasty's done, like I don't need to bust a bunch of jokes about the guy. <laughs> this is boring. <laughs> yeah, see, see, I can't, uh, I yeah, can't, can't do it either. I yeah. can't do it either. He, hey, he's the goat. Like seriously, <laughs> he's the he's the greatest quarterback of all time. We should be and dancing on the grave. She's a very successful woman as well. Like, what, what do you what do you have against these two people, Kent? Like, <laughs> I like the joke. Right. Why do you hate these successful people? I don't hate them. <laughs> uh, okay, hold Chad asked if there is a Dolphins quarterback past or present that can beat the, that the Patriots can beat. The Patriots? Yes. Tyler Thigpen, because he had one win. <laughs> and that was against the Oakland Raiders. He did play against the New England Patriots. He had an interception in that game. Okay. While he played for the Dolphins. Uh, yeah, Josh Rosen is the correct answer. Josh <laughs> Rosen is definitely the correct answer. Uh, Chiefs Channel asks, describe in detail what each of you did when Tom Brady threw a pick six on what might be the final pass of his career. I didn't really do anything crazy. My wife... She has gotten really into this whole thing because I write for Arrowhead Pride. She's getting really into football. She's really enjoying it. She's still mad at the overtime rules from last year. She was elated. She was loving every second of it. She was like, like very giddy. Uh, I was, I was excited too. I don't. I, these guys' answers are going to be boring. They're going to be like, I wasn't watching. I was reading a leather-bound book about Tom Brady and how amazing he See. is. 
he's doing he's doing the Maddie voice right now, clearly, <laughs> because that's that's what that was. I, I, I actually was watching Troy Pride Jr., a prospect <laughs> of coming draft when this happened, but I did see it. I, I was um, watching I mean, it was shortly wonderful. Thereafter. Wait, what did you say, Craig? It was wonderful. It was amazing. I loved it. It was fun. It was really fun. Yeah, I watched. I watched as well too. It was good. I, the Patriots lost. That's cool. I I don't understand the victory lap Chiefs fans are taking about the Patriots losing. I feel like they were a relatively free win if if you got to play them in the playoffs. So I don't know why we are super excited that they ended it. But I mean, I can get it. They've been winning for twenty years. You're happy they're not going to win this year. Just you know, I would have preferred to play them maybe than uh, some of these other teams. Okay, Lizard People asks. Uh, what's the revenge game factor? Uh, so if you don't know, the, the Chiefs have an opportunity now to go on a revenge tour. It is The revenge tour is still in play. They can avenge three of the losses that they have had this season en route to a Lombardi trophy. It starts this week with Houston, who they lost to. It could be the Titans in two weeks, who they lost to inexplicably. And then they could play the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl to avenge a third loss. It could be an ultimate revenge tour. The revenge tour is still in play, fellas. So uh, I, I would actually would really kind of like that path to a Super Bowl. I think that's, Me too. I, that's about as good of a path as you can have. Unless, I don't know, the Seahawks. I just don't want to see Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. You take that back. You definitely do. The lights, under the bright lights of the Super Bowl, you absolutely want to do that. My How'd guy, that overtime go? That How'd guy, that overtime go? That dude, that dude is lucky. That man is lucky. Do I like that? Yeah, I would like that. I would like to play Kirk Cousins in a Super Bowl. Chess, my anti-drug, asks... Since the since the Texans had success covering Travis Kelsey by dragging him to the ground in Week Six, do you think they go back to that on Sunday? And Craig, I want you to answer this question. Kind of, there a lot of things happen in that game, not just on the field, but circumstantially, the two teams that are playing right now are drastically different different than the one, the, or than the two the two that played Week Six in Arrowhead. Yeah, uh, when Travis Kelsey was dragged to the ground and they threw a penalty for defensive holding and then picked it up and decided not to call pass interference, the Chiefs were winning 17-3. to They were driving for another score there. The Chiefs were playing in that game without Eric Fisher, without Chris Jones, without Sammy Watkins, without Anthony Hitchens. They were playing Tyree Kill. That was his first game back since week one. He played about 50% of the snaps and had two touchdowns. But the Chiefs were way, way, way behind the eight ball in that game. Patrick Mahomes had been stepped on the previous week against Indianapolis. So he was practically immobile. I think we all remember they was throwing everything off of his back foot. He wasn't able to really get a rhythm going because of that. And still, the Chiefs were leading that game in the middle of the fourth quarter there. The Chiefs are a significantly different team. The defense is playing together better. Frank Clark is healthier. They're, they've got some more bodies on the front lines that fit what Spagnola wants to do. Their communication is better. The Chiefs' offense should be able to protect Patrick Mahomes better. J.J. Watt played in that game 
against Cameron Irving with Martinez Rankin at left guard. The left side of that line was brand spanking new. And they, you know, those guys had healthier bodies in Houston than the Chiefs did. They had a more consistent coaching staff. You know, Spagnuolo wasn't still trying to install his defensive scheme. I know this sounds like a lot of excuses. I'm not trying to say, you know, guarantee a Chiefs win or anything like that. But looking at the week six game and being worried about that result versus this team right now, I think is a little bit silly because it is such a drastically different Chiefs day team it's a different Texans team as well but there's so little we can take because of the missing pieces and the situations that had gone on both in that game and the game before and I think you have a few teams out there some defensive coaches that really do like to attack Travis Kelsey by pulling him to the ground by getting overly physical the Patriots are one I think you saw the Texans were one of those as well Outside of the play, you know, we're all talking about here where he was actually pulled to the ground and the interception was thrown. He gets beat up at the line a ton by the Texans. I think you saw the Chiefs do a pretty good job navigating that against the Patriots the last time they played them. They're getting better about keeping Travis Kelsey clean off the line of scrimmage when they need to. I think you'll see more of that. They're going to try it again, but I think Kelsey will do a better job and Andy will do a better job getting him free releases, letting him get in space and attack those linebackers and safeties. Okay, so Will Amos asked a question kind of following up to that, uh, or that kind of ties well together. Which player who will be present for this game, who wasn't playing in the first game against the Texans, will have the greatest impact? And let me just let me just list off, let me real quick, let me just list off the inactives for that game for the Chiefs because this list is significant. Eric Fisher, Sammy Watkins, Dorian O'Daniel, Andrew Wiley, Chris Jones, Anthony Hitchens, Greg Sanat. That is your list of players that were inactive for this football game. And Tyreek Hill. Uh, I think you, Craig said you said 50% of the snaps. Patrick Mahomes yeah. playing on an injured ankle. Um, what do you think? Man, I, I am tempted to go with Anthony Hitchens because that's the most disorganized that this defense has looked up front. Uh, ben Neiman calling the fronts there just looked out of his element and nobody seemed to know where they needed to go it's part of the reason why Carlos Hyde was able to do what he was able to do but it's Chris Jones Max Sharping the rookie guard has struggled mightily with speed all year long I even said it in my preview article in week six that it's unfortunate that Chris Jones isn't there because Chris Jones would definitely have eaten against Max Sharping I expect Chris Jones to have a monster game against him. Deshaun Watson, we saw, likes to hold on to the ball way too long. Chris Jones is going to be in his face all game long against Sharping. Okay, so I think Chris Jones is up there. I'm going to go with Sammy Watkins, believe it or not. And this is kind of a little bit of a bold prediction, but this is something I wanted to get into. Last playoff Sammy Watkins had a, a really good playoff. He did. And if you remember the AFC Championship game, he was very good. And he had probably his best game as a, as a Chief, considering the context of the situation. Don't sleep on Sammy Watkins. I think that Sammy Watkins is going to make, uh, or is going to have a big game in these playoffs at some point. It might as well just be this week. Uh, I, I think this could be a chance for Sammy Watkins to have 
uh, a big week just because I, I think it's coming. I think one of these games he's going to go out there and he's going to ball out. And, and having that time off, I think, matters for Sammy Watkins more than, than most people. The correct answer. Patrick Mahomes' left ankle will show up. <laughs> Craig kind of, I thought Craig was going to air my uh, answer, kind of take it out his when he was answering the question before when he started talking about Patrick Mahomes, but I wanted to slip this one in here. But yes, Patrick Mahomes being able to move, being able to step into throws. I mean, the offensive line being fixed is definitely going to help that. But I think just having the confidence to step into his throws, really drive behind it, not throw everything off his back foot. And when push comes to shove, he can actually take off and run and do a little bit on the move. I think that's going to make a bigger difference than any other player that's coming back now possibly could think of. Patrick Mahomes could barely do anything that first game. Maddie, we've been hanging out with each other way too much because I actually knew you were going to say that. I'm not even joking <laughs> you. And I tried to stay away from it like a good friend would. I was going to go there. <laughs> but I knew you were taking that for some reason. I just had a feeling. Uh, we're going to take a break. We will be back with more of your questions right after this. Okay. More questions about Chiefs Texans getting you ready for the AFC divisional round in Arrowhead. Jacob 71, our pal. (laughs) Do you like sandwiches? And if you do, what type of sandwich would the previous Chiefs Texans matchup have been, Matthew? I mean, like most people, I'm a fan of sandwiches, and I think the only possible answer is a sloppy Joe. <laughs> so. Oh, man. That's good. That's good. I I think because of all the incomplete pieces, it's going to be like an open face sandwich. It's supposed to be closed face. So it's just a slice of bread with like a half eaten piece of cheese and a slice of <laughs> old bologna on top of it. Like that's what it was. Just a very incomplete sandwich. Whereas this one is going to be the Cuban sandwiches that I made tonight, guys. They were amazing. It's going to be so sweet to beat the Texans. Oh, it's going to be delicious. You thought we were joking when we said Craig was cooking all weekend. He actually was. <laughs> he actually was. Okay, so uh, when <laughs> when Nick asked this question, someone rubbed in the kicking chicken sandwich from Q39 being gone. I'm going to lean into it. It's the kicking chicken sandwich because it's gone. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. Move on. We are only looking forward. We are believing that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to beat the Houston Texans and exercise the demon of the AFC South and go on to the AFC Championship game and win that one too. So there you go. There's some positivity, I guess. SoCal 1186. Bob Sutton's not the defensive coordinator of this playoff team anymore, by the way. Just so you know. Let's believe. I'm, I'm, I am very well aware of that, Kent. We are we are being positive here. We are expecting good things to happen to this football team. SoCal eleven eighty six. Hey, something not positive. Can Armani Watts and Kendall Fuller make up for two thirds of of Juan Thornhill? Two thirds, Craig. Two thirds. Yeah, I think so. Like I, I think that that's reasonable. Listen, I Juan Thornhill was really coming on. Like Matt said, he was the fourth most important defender on this football team. But those guys aren't bad football players. Kendall Fuller is probably going to be the guy that's going to be the first man up, going to be kind of that nickel role when the Chiefs don't have that that extra, extra defensive back on the field. He's played that 
increasingly more and more over the past couple of weeks, and he's looked a lot more comfortable in that role. I think that they're going to ask him to do that, and I think that the Chiefs might actually spend a decent amount of time in their nickel this week instead of the dime, just because you know Houston likes to run a little heavier personnel. They like to run the ball a little bit more, so I think that they'll want to have some bigger bodies. That means Kendall Fuller will probably be the guy to sort of try and be a quote-unquote direct replacement for Juan Thornhill, and I think he can be two-thirds of Juan Thornhill. Now, is that enough? We'll see, but I do think that he specifically has the capability to do some of what Juan Thornhill was out there, just, you know, at a step back, obviously. Rather than the direct execution, the thing that I'm worried the most about is just losing some of the versatility or just some of the disguised looks. I think it's going to be a little bit harder with Watts and Fuller to disguise as much, to do as much off-the-wall stuff that Steve Spagnuolo had been doing lately, using Juan Thornhill in all these different roles, getting to use Fuller as this half-hybrid safety cornerback kind of player. And so now once you take Thornhill out, you're putting Watts or Fuller back there, you're losing not only what Thornhill does, but you're having to adjust what Fuller's doing. I think from a scheme side of it, you probably are going to lose about a third of the play. But the execution on the field, like Craig said, if you put them in the right spots, Fuller and then being helped by Watts probably can do about two-thirds of what Thornhill can You know, in the right spots. It's just a matter of how many different scheme changes you have to make to put them in their best spot to play. 100%. That's about where I line up in. I think Steve Spagnuolo can figure some things out. I think he can help him, but I don't think he's going to have you know, the full comp. I don't think he's going to have the full call sheet. He would have if Juan Thornhill was here. I think that they can find ways to play to these guys strengths, but those guys strengths still don't fall in line with what Juan Thornhill was capable of doing. And I think that limits the flexibility and capabilities of Steve Spagnuolo a little bit. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll figure it out, but it's, it's not going to be as easy uh, as it would be if Juan Thornhill was a part of the plan. Bama fan seven will Houston expose the loss of Juan Thornhill, especially if Wolf Will Fuller plays for Houston next weekend. I I think there's a distinct possibility that that is the case. Uh, they will need you know Kendall Fuller to be able to keep a lid on the defense. Will Fuller got loose against the Chiefs and he dropped a bunch of passes. I know we've been talking about that basically since week six is a reason why. Maybe the Chiefs cornerbacks aren't playing quite as well as we all think that they are. I will say this, though. Will Fuller, with a hamstring injury that has limited him severely over the last couple weeks, is probably not going to be able to go quite as hard as you would expect him to go. And I think that that's going to maybe throw a little timing off. I think that's going to reduce some of his ability to create separation. I still think he'll have separation, but it'll reduce some of that. And like I said, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Terrell Suggs up front, I don't think that they're going to allow Deshaun Watson to hold the ball quite as long. Watson's going to want to get rid of it early, particularly if the Chiefs are in his lap there in the first and the second quarter. I think that's going to reduce some of Fuller's effect, or yeah, Will Fuller's effectivity in the deep third there. But I, if they can get it going, if they can protect Deshaun Watson, that's the number one most dangerous matchup. And that's a team that has DeAndre Hopkins, who's arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL on it. I think you saw it the first time they played. 
the Houston Texans wide receivers, especially Fuller, and are about the most dangerous downfield passing attack the Chiefs played all year. They're definitely the most dangerous downfield passing attack left on the a- besides the Chiefs on the AFC side of the playoff picture. So yeah, if there's a team that is going to expose the lack of Juan Thornhill, I think it will be the Texans. Fuller will obviously make that incredibly easier for them if he has that same speed. But you can even look at Hopkins in the second half versus the Bills. They started getting him a little vertical on Tredavious White, who's an elite top three corner in the NFL right now, and he was making plays. So he's just as likely to make plays over the middle as well. So yeah, this is going to be the first game without Juan Thornhill from the get-go and probably the biggest test you're going to get. I think the Chiefs... might have to lean on their corners a little bit more this week than they have in the past because of the loss of Juan Thornhill. So if those guys are put in situations where you need them to be as good as some people in Kansas city believe them to be, I think, I mean that it's, it's going to, it's going to tell us a lot about this cornerback group because I think the whole thing, you know, with the people concerned about the cornerback position, it's, about games like this it's about the playoffs it's not about week 13 against oakland or whatever it's about games like this and you don't want a very glaring weakness or potential weakness to be exposed in the most significant moments the texans are capable of challenging the chiefs corners and if the chiefs corners aren't able to get as much help as they have in the past this could be this could be the reason people were concerned and we're going to find out. I, I hope these. I hope the cornerbacks hold up. I hope Bashad Brilliant and I hope Charvarius Ward hold up. Because this is a week that they need them to, to, ha- to play at a high level. They've got to have one of their better weeks of the season this week. Chiefs DG asks, The Texans seem like the worst pos- possible mas- matchup. Good wide receivers to test the corners and safeties. Elusive quarterback to stress the linebackers in a tough running back duo with a strong running back along with a decent pass catcher. What do you think, Matty? I mean, offensively, absolutely. Like we just said, they have the wide receivers, and then you even have, you know, you have uh, Kenny Stills get in there too. You have the wide receivers to threaten the Chiefs' secondary all over the field. You have tight ends that they are more than willing to use. You have two running backs that get involved in the passing game. And then Deshaun Watson, even when the Chiefs get pressure, you have to make sure you get him down because once he starts running around, he becomes his own level of problem, especially against a slower linebacking group like the Chiefs have. I would say the one thing the Chiefs defense has going for the matchup that's kind of going under the radar so far, Steve Spagnola, Brendan Daly's blitz, stunt packages, Deshaun Watson's pocket awareness is not good. He does not see blitzes on the regular. Now, that doesn't mean you're getting a free sack as we saw versus the Bills, but he has a hard time picking up blitzes often. You're going to get a chance at him. You just have to execute. If you don't execute, he can really hurt you. So it's kind of a give and pull there. But I think that's where the Chiefs can make up for some of the matchup issues on the defensive side. Yeah, you're you're scared about this defensive side because for all those reasons, they have the weapons, they have a quarterback that knows how to get them the ball, a very good quarterback. But his offensive line is frankly pretty poor. I think that matches up well with what the Chiefs can do up front, like Matt said, with Daly and Brendan uh, Daly and Steve Spagnola there. But when you flip to the opposite side, the Houston Texans defense, short of J.J. Watt, really isn't much to write home about. Is I know Whitney playing? Merciless I'm looked not okay. Sure. My guy sure Brendan Scarlett. 
Oh, JJ Watt? Yeah, he got I don't it. know. I, I, did he? I don't know. If anybody watched that broadcast, uh, <laughs> the the JJ Watt family broadcast, that's that's exactly what that was. I don't I'm not I'm gonna try not to rant Swans in this, but they cut to JJ Watt inter- they interviewed JJ Watt before they interviewed Deshaun Watson. Deshaun yeah. Like, and Deshaun what? was Deshaun was the reason they won that game. Getting out of that sack yeah. and making that throw was amazing. Yeah. I, anyway, uh, the, the Texas defense isn't isn't all that scary. I think these Chiefs weapons and a healthy Patrick Mahomes can score at will on this Houston Texans defense. That secondary is not particularly great. They tried to add guys in Gary and Conley, Vernon Hargreaves since the last time these two got these two teams played. But honestly, they can't hang with Tyreek Hill. They're not going to be able to hang with Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams, if he continues to look good. Like there's so much speed on this Chiefs team. They're going to struggle to keep guys in and you know be able to or cover all of these guys. I think that it's going to turn into a shootout so I, I think that maybe that plays into the Chiefs' favor just because of their weapons. I think of all the teams that the Chiefs could have played, this is the team that can actually potentially hang in a shootout. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing you got to take into consideration with all that. Uh, I, I think it's just kind of different. Like, I mean, I, I think all the teams presented different challenges. I think just because of Tom and Bill, I would have been more worried about Tom and Bill just because it's Tom and Bill. Even I know what we just watched this week. I know what we just watched this week. It's just ultimate respect. See, guys, I can respect Tom Brady. I can also dunk on him a little bit. <laughs> it, it was it was respect for Tom Brady and for Bill Belichick, and mostly Bill Belichick. Uh, I got a little backhanded comment in there. Uh, okay. T-Factor Dunlap. This Chiefs need, uh, the Chiefs need to focus on blank this week. Hint, the answer is tackling. I wonder if that is because of Deshaun Watson. I mean... Uh, I think that's probably it. Yeah, uh, the, that you definitely... That's a top three thing for sure. They can't have the tackling performance that either one of those two teams had this past weekend. That game was just sloppy. But... Matt kind of alluded to it. I'd look forward. And so Matt said it in the last question. It's blitz. They've got to blitz Deshaun Watson. He does not handle it particularly well. Steve Spagnuolo and Brendan Daly have built these pressure pressure packages. My goodness, sorry. That are very, very successful. They've really relied on them all year long. They've done a fantastic job. They're going to need to rely on him again. I think that they can keep Deshaun Watson guessing all game long. He was sacked seven times, I believe, uh, this past weekend. Yes, I think that's right. Yes, that's that's crazy because I think the Chiefs could do even more with their with packages and with their personnel. So I would expect them to just crank that all the way up. I'm expecting a big performance from the Chiefs pass rush. So blitzing and getting to Deshaun Watson, that's the focus. I think tackling's a very good answer, especially after the Chiefs and Texans' first game where we saw how the poor tackling of the Chiefs really bit them. But I'm going to go with explosive plays, <laughs> and I think it's going to go on both sides of the ball. Don't give up explosive plays down the field to Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Stills. We talked about that already. But the Chiefs offense, they've proven they can move the ball. They can score points without loading up on the explosive plays. 
but I think the offense looks better, clicks better when you have the threat of those explosive plays, when you've shown the defense that you're playing that you can hit them repeatedly over and over again at any point in time, hit a couple explosive plays, don't give up as many explosive plays, and I think that shootout aspect goes out the window and the Chiefs can win pretty handily. I think it's ball protection, and I think you know that's something that this team has struggled with in the games that they've lost. I think they've been pretty you know bad about uh, you know handing the football over to other teams. I, Patrick Mahomes' interception from the last time these two teams does not count, uh, but I do think that that, that fumble need, does. Yeah, they got to be mindful. They got to be mindful yeah. of the ball production or ball protection. Like that's just got to happen. Uh, I, this team will win games if they are uh, up in the turnover battle. And I think, you know, you've seen some of their losses. I think there's been some pretty key turnovers in the games that they've lost uh, the vast majority of the time. Luke of the Ozarks asks, is it better to keep Deshaun Watson in the pocket or force him to move his platform on passing downs, Matt? In the pocket, I think Watson's a guy that you don't want moving out in space, especially when you have not top-end athleticism behind him. I think you saw... Tremaine Edmonds for the Bills have some plays on Watson that were really impressive. The Chiefs don't have Tremaine Edmonds and their linebacker group, so you don't have the ability to chase him down outside (laughs) the pocket. You keep him in the pocket, you make him guess where the pressure's coming from, and you hope when your guys connect, whether by beating the blockers or the blitz gets home, that they can bring him down. Yeah, you want him in the pocket because when he's in the pocket, he hangs on to the ball way too long. It seems like when he's out of the pocket, the urgency increases a little bit. He looks to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker. If he's sitting in the pocket, he he just sits and he holds it and holds it and holds it and holds it until somebody gets to him or he sees somebody get open. So keep him there. I think that Suggs and Clark are the kind of rushers that can and can kind of prevent him from getting a little bit more loose than some other guys, but it's going to be about... Chris Jones coming up the middle and some, you know, A gap, B gap, B gap blitzes up the middle there to try and attack him. 100% agree with that. Uh, okay, let's see here. Stacy Meyer asks, should they put a spy on Deshaun Watson? Uh, Matty hit it. Um, they don't have the linebacker personnel to really spy him effectively. I mean, it, they have to have somebody account for him. You can't just leave him wide open. You have to have somebody with eyes in the backfield. You have to have a little bit of a containment priority on him because he can beat you with his legs. He can beat you outside of the structure. But I'm not saying, you know, okay, well, put Anthony Hitchens out there and say, Anthony, you got to beat him to the sideline because that's going to be a a losing battle for the Chiefs, frankly. So I I do think that if they're going to do that, they have to make a guy like Dan Sorensen do it, but then that takes him out of your coverage scheme. Like I said, I expect the Chiefs to play a little more nickel, a little bit bigger personnel, so Anthony Hitchens will be on the field in those situations. That would leave him with some more coverage responsibility against Duke Johnson, Carlos Hyde, that also doesn't look great for Anthony Hitchens either. So I, I don't know exactly how they're going to approach it, but I don't know if they'll have like a dedicated spy on him in the same way that you know the Bills did with Tremaine Edmonds. I think, Craig, edit Sorensen's probably your best bet to be the main guy if you're dedicating a player to do the spy work. And I think he's going to be a guy that'll do it a lot. They use him in a variety of different roles. He often gets the most dangerous running back. So he'll get some Duke Johnson reps, but I think he's your guy that's your best fit to spy Deshaun Watson. Maybe you get a dual read where if Watson works one way, it becomes Sorensen another way, it's somebody else. 
But I think the other way you counteract this a little bit is just play, you know, more zone. You have guys keep their eyes on the quarterback. You make sure you have guys in the hook flat zones. That way, when Watson starts to roll out, you're Tyron Matthews, your Dan Sorensons that are kind of playing the middle high hole range. They take over. They can either attack Watson or they can take over for your corner or your linebacker that's supposed to be in the hook, the flat. It's just they have to make the calls. Communication has to be tight and other guys got to be willing to pick up. But more eyes on the QB, you kind of have everyone spying Watson instead of one person. Funny Whiskey Nine asks, hey guys, love the show. Love the show. Thank you for answering my question last time. If Will Fuller plays for the Texans, what do you anticipate the Chiefs will do to curtail him? And Carlos Hyam was a problem last time. How do we deal with him? So what are they going to do, you think, to slow those two down? I think that they've got to pay, they've got to play too high. I don't think that they can play a single high safety structure against Will Fuller, against DeAndre Hopkins. They've been bracketing a lot of number one receivers lately. Charvarius Ward's seen a lot of help from Juan Thornhill in some previous games. And then if the number one moves the other side, then Bashad Breeland gets a little bit of help as well. I think that they're going to do that for Hopkins and it makes sense to do so because you want to take him away. They don't want to have empty space over the other guy. So I think that they'll have to play a little more too high, keep a lid on top of Will Fuller there. As far as Carlos Hyde goes, he was a problem last time. He He's he's more of a he's got good vision and he can hit the appropriate hole nine times out of ten. And it was exacerbated last time for the reasons that I spoke about. Anthony Hitchens wasn't there. These guys were not hit playing the same gaps. You know, they weren't adjusting the fronts to try and take things away. Uh, but, you know, pre-snap and everything like that. I think Hitchens's presence pre-snap is going to make a lot of difference. They look light years better with him calling the shots up front than they did in the previous matchup. So I'm curious to see if they can nullify some of Hyde's effectivity because he's not going to stretch. He's not going to get outside and expose the Chiefs' lower linebacking core. They're going to keep him between the tackles. I think that the Chiefs can win that matchup. I think Craig pretty much nailed all of it, and I just want to double down here. The Chiefs have done a lot of not even just having help defenders over the top of outside receivers lately, but you go back and watch the Chargers game, on plenty of snaps, they full-on bracketed. A safety would sprint out and take the inside of an outside receiver, whether it was Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. Mm -hmm. They were not afraid to double-team receivers, especially on the outside. Wouldn't be shocked to see a lot of that on Nuke Hopkins. And if that's the case, like Craig said, you're going to need help over the top of Fuller so a corner doesn't get beat deep for a big play. I think one of the things, I mean, these guys got a lot of it. I think one of the things that they can do is the offense needs to just keep putting up points. But, you know, Carlos Hyde, like, yeah, sure. If you want to run the football, if you're down 14, that's fine. Uh, I do think, you know, playing in too high structure is going to help. But and I think you can I think you can eliminate Carlos Hyde a little bit from this football game if you go out and score points, go out and be the offense that we all think that the Chiefs are capable of doing. Bring the 2018 Chiefs offense back into the mix a little bit. Uh, I think that'll help with the game script too. So you know you, you you can do some things differently there. Chief Lutz eleven, who plays a more important role in winning next weekend, defense or offense? It's the offense. The offense is going to be what carries this football team to a Super Bowl. They have to play at a 2018 level and be the explosive offense we know they're capable of being. 
If they do that, they have enough on defense to win a Super Bowl. It falls on Patrick LeVon Mahomes. And you want to know something? The one guy I want a Super Bowl ring to fall on is Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Offense for life. Hashtag. It is the offense. Good offense beats good defense. Good offense really beats bad defense. The offense plays good. The Chiefs win the game. I No, you're wrong. You're both wrong. <laughs> it's defense. If the defense comes out and slows down the Texans, the Texas defense is bad. The Chiefs offense can have a meh day and still put up points against the the you know Texans defense there. So I think that the Chiefs defense, if they play well above what they can, which is pretty darn high right now, and they limit Deshaun Watson, Chiefs win this one, run it away, even with a bad offensive performance. Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl on the backs of their defense. <laughs> Hashtag defense for life. Craig was oh my to say Lord. all of this. That is, um, that's something there, fellas. I tell you what, um, yeah, wow. Uh, one lost wizard. We know the inactives is the last time that the Chiefs played the Texans. Who will be the Chiefs inactives on Saturday? Will Shady McCoy, will DOD see more action? Is he possible spy for mobile quarterbacks? So, no, he's not a spy for mobile quarterbacks, I don't think. Dorian O'Daniel is not trusted. He saw his first offense or defensive snaps almost of the entire season. I think he had one defensive snap before that, before last week. I don't think you're going to... I don't think DOD is a secret weapon. I don't think Dorian O'Daniel is a secret weapon. I expect Shady to be active for this football game. I think they only have three current running backs on the active roster. I'm not going to ask you guys to list out you know, who the Chiefs and actives are because that's not fair. But the big burning question is, is Mike Pinnell going to be active, Matty? <laughs> yes. I'm getting away from this. <laughs> Craig? Uh, yes. Mike <laughs> Pinnell is going to be active. By the way, Dorian O'Daniel did not play a single defensive snap before this Chargers game last weekend. I know everybody saw them at the end of the game and they saw him as a coverage linebacker and he was actually split out wide as an overhang. Guys, Reggie Ragland got the coverage linebacker snaps the three plays before Dorian O'Daniel came in i i think that should tell you about where reggie ragland who wasn't playing as an off-ball linebacker as much he was a linebacker in the dime before dorian o'daniel was so i i would not get my hopes up about some sort of wide unveiling of a dorian o'daniel plan so be on the lookout for when Dorian O'Daniel plays 45 snaps this weekend and yeah, the Chiefs right. use him for the first time this year. <laughs> if Reggie, I mean, if Reggie Raglan's getting coverage snaps before Dorian O'Daniel, what does that tell you? The Chiefs have athleticism at the linebacker the, position on the roster. For for what it's worth, Reggie Ragland has played in the dime multiple times this year as a rusher as well. They just used him yeah. kind of in that role as a coverage linebacker. He offers the ability to do both on the field at any given time, whereas Dorian O'Daniel is just a coverage linebacker. I think heading into the playoffs, I think we know that Darian o Dorian O'Daniel and Darren Lee just simply can't be trusted by the staff. That is, they don't think that they can trust the athletic linebackers that could potentially help solve some of their problems that they've had at the linebacker position. 
They just simply do not trust those guys. There is there is your reason. That is why, honestly. And this, uh, we all kind of trust this coaching staff to this point. This defensive uh, yeah. coaching staff. Sign me up. They they have turned it around in a significant way. And the the biggest problem on this team is at linebacker right now and the athleticism there. If those guys could offer anything to get in the game, I guarantee you we'd see it. Put Reggie Raglan at corner. Let's go. So he gonna, he's going to rough up New Cop. That's right. Let's go. <laughs> Faith. Okay. I You know, Maddie, I wanted to give you a kind of draft question to close this thing out. Blake Selfmade asks, with Henry, Henry running all over the Patriots tonight, how can you not think the running back position has been the missing link in KC uh, for 2019? Hashtag RB Lives Matter. This was like the third game out of every game from every single team this year in the NFL where a running back live did actually matter. And it's all of them have probably been Derrick Henry because I think the NFL has forgotten entirely what to do when you have an athletic 250-pound running back. Nobody knows how you attempt to tackle him right now. And a Patriots, physical Patriots team, just fell victim to Derrick Henry running like a train through them. So, yeah, if you can get me Derrick Henry on a rookie contract, we can do that one. Uh, By the way, Derrick Henry, who was a second-round pick. Oh, yeah. Because the NFL, as a unit, went... We don't know how this 6'3", 250-pound dude is going linear, to translate. Linear athlete. Yeah. Linear athlete. Um, and plus, the, I mean... The he's Chiefs, so good, though. He's been he's so good, good this year. The Chiefs <laughs> need help at offensive line more than they need help at running back. They could improve their running game if their offensive line was better. And if they weren't running as many RPOs. Okay, that's going to be doing it for this week's episode. What a weird note to end on, but that's okay. It is playoff week. We'll be back later this week to do a game preview. Thank you so much for listening. It's going to be a fun one, guys. Believe that your team is going to do it. We'll catch you later.